Mabuhay o madayaw. Welcome back to your JIB5 podcast. Last episode, we continued our discussion on the thoughtful traveler and focused on how much to tip and the safety-minded businesswoman. In today's episode, we will continue our discussion on the thoughtful traveler and discuss getting down to business and trade shows. We will also start discussing a whole new topic entitled doing business in another country, specifically on before you go, customs and culture, sex, politics, and religion. So let's jump right in and get down to business. It goes without saying that the meetings are the real business of an event, which means yes, it's important to practice your social skills such as your golf swing, but you need to practice more than that. In other words, go prepared. I've been mentioning this so many times in my classes that preparation breeds familiarity, familiarity breeds confidence, and if you are confident, you are unstoppable. So here are the things you need to do to come prepared. First, review the agenda beforehand. You might discover that a subject you feel passionate about is the focus of one of the seminars and decide to get involved. With that, you can list the points you want to make and arm yourself with any facts and figures needed to back up the contentions you plan to put forward. For example, if you're attending a seminar and there's a certain topic that coincides your research study, you can make a list of the things you want to ask or you want to input as part of the conversation in the said seminar. Second, if you have questions you want answered or issues you think worth bringing up, write them down. Then rehearse asking them until each is the very model of conciseness. Rambling on at the mic won't win you points with anyone present and may garble your question to boot. Don't take the question and answer portion as an opportunity to show your expertise. This is very common on some of the seminars I attended. People ask questions only to show that they know the, the issue or they know the answer to the question they themselves have asked. Lastly, learn as much as you can about the principal speakers not just by reading their biographies in the program but also by asking workmates if they can flesh out the speaker's backgrounds in any way. Doing this will allow for a more meaningful conversation if you happen to be introduced to one of them. Once the event is in progress, observe two important rules. The first and most obvious is to show up for the meetings sessions or classes you're scheduled to attend even if the topic isn't all that pertinent to your daily work back home you have the obligation to participate after money has been spent to get you there the second rule is to be factual coming in late is disruptive and cast a poor light on you and your company the name of which remember is emblazoned across your name tag 
make a point of taking your own notes. Since relying on the minutes to be distributed later can be a big mistake. Also, many of the points and insights you find important may be overlooked by the minute taker. Let's proceed on making a presentation. You may be asked to make a presentation at an event. As a presenter, not only are you giving information on which you are an expert, but you are also representing your company. Therefore, the quality of your presentation will reflect directly on you and your firm. As you approach your task, consider the following tips. Number one, practice. Have your presentation ready with enough time to spare that you can fit several dress rehearsals. If you're using a computer-generated presentation, practice with all the equipment and become familiar with the talking points at which you will click to the next image. Number two, proofread. Review all your handouts and presentation images for accuracy. If you make a typo, someone is bound to point it out to you. Remember, you're the expert now, so let your materials reflect this. Number three, arrived early. If you have to travel, especially by airplane, plan on arriving the night before or even the day before. Not only will you be fresh and ready to make your presentation, but you won't have to worry about getting to the venue on time. Number 4. Set up early. Go to your presentation space at least a half hour early and plug everything in to make sure it is working properly. You can choose to distribute handouts ahead of time or have them on a table ready for distribution at the end of the presentation. Also, check the functionality of your microphone and test the volume levels. Number 5. Take 5. 5 minutes before your presentation, head to the rest room for one final pit stop. Do a quick check in the mirror. Take several deep breaths. Give yourself a big smile and head back to the presentation room. Number 6. Thank the host. At the start of the presentation, thank the host or sponsor for inviting you. Remember to give credit to any other people who helped you prepare your presentation by stating their names in full. Number 7. Speed kills, so does monotone. Public speakers tend to accelerate their speech. So, consciously work to slow down your pace of delivery. Speak clearly and engage the participants by looking them in the eye. Use your voice volume and inflection to drive home your points and to make your presentation lively. Step away from the podium from time to time and use your hands to make your points. And don't forget to smile. Number 8. Listen. When someone asks a question or makes a point, really listen to what they are saying. 
then respond directly to their question or point. If you don't know the answer or need to get additional information to respond, say so and then be sure to follow up. Lastly, thank the audience. At the end of the session, be sure to thank the audience for attending. Provide contact information and then be prepared to meet and greet participants afterwards. Let's discuss name tag etiquette. Your name tag will contribute to the overall impression of you. These unassuming little plastic badges are subject for certain rules. Wear a pin-on name tag on the right side of your chest, about 4 inches below the shoulder. This positioning will ensure that it is in clear view when you are shaking hands during introductions. Don't wear your name tag outside the convention hall. Ideally, the tags should be small enough to be easily slipped into a packet or handbag while you got to and from meetings. Don't write Mr., Mrs., or Miss in front of your name on the card. Technically, a professional title such as doctor may be added, but this is determined by how much the wearer wants to advertise his or her credentials. At business events, it's appropriate to add your title under your name. For example, Ezel Cabrera, Program Head. Unless the convention is confined to fellow employees, add your company name as well. Let's talk about networking. Offsite events, especially conventions and trade shows, offers the perfect opportunity to network. During breaks, make it a point to meet people from other companies or from out-of-town branches of your own firm. It may be tempting to spend all your time with your chums from the home office, but if you do, you're missing a key opportunity. Remember, the very fact that you and the stranger around you work for the same company or in the same field means that you have something in common. You never know when a prefunctory first meeting might one day blossom into a valuable business relationship. Let's talk about trade shows. Crowds, banners, color, music, noise. An atmosphere this overwhelming can grow worrying after a while, making it all the more important for exhibitors who tend booths to keep their cool and treat even casual browsers as their best customers. As an exhibitor, remember that you are seen not as an individual but as an embodiment of your company. How to behave with prospective customers At a trade show, it's the nature of the beast for people to make snob judgments when they pause at a booth. This means that it's doubly important for you to use good business etiquette as you demonstrate your product. When meeting potential buyers, dress as if you're meeting an important client back at the office. Always stand when talking. Shake hands. 
expressed interest in the person and give him or her your undivided attention. The trickiest part of your job is when you're faced with the task of balancing several customers at once without offending any one of them. Have business cards at the ready and use them to momentarily placate any visitors awaiting their turn. Much in the manner of putting someone on hold on the telephone. Utter a quick, please excuse me, to the person you're talking with. Turn to the bystander and hand him or her a card and say, Would you mind waiting a bit? I'll be right with you. If you see that a boothmate is free, direct the prospect to him or her. Or if possible, quickly set up an appointment to meet later in the day. Even if you're making small talks with potential customer, it's not a good idea to invite another prospect to join in unless your intuition tells you otherwise. The best tack is always to give undivided attention to one person at a time. The same rule applies to product demonstrations. If someone is standing by observing, that's fine. But you should direct your demonstration to the person you're dealing with at the moment. At the same time, make it clear to the other person that you'll attend to him or her as soon as you have finished. How to behave with other exhibitors If you attend trade shows regularly, more than likely, you'll be acquainted with many of the booth tenders from other companies. While you'll no doubt want to catch up with them and perhaps make plans for the evening, remember that you're not at a high school reunion. The less time you spend smooching with old friends, the more time you'll have to meet with potential customers. For the sake of your fellow boothmates, be punctual when it is your turn to take over the post. Getting sidetracked at a huge show is easy, and keeping people waiting can cause a ripple effect for some time afterward. Following up A handwritten note to each prospective customer you talk with will have more impact than a typewritten one, which could look suspiciously like a form letter. Tell the recipient how nice it was to meet him and that you hope the interest he expressed in your product will someday result in an order. A reference to a non-business topic you discussed, a new grandchild for example, personalizes the letter further and lets it stand out from the norm. Which way to the snack bar? Considering the number of people streaming by your booth, it is inevitable that you'll be asked for directions to the restrooms, snack bars, the lost and found, and yes, the often elusive information booth. The very fact that you've staked out a space in a gargantuan hall marks you as a fixture of sorts, if only temporary. As a consequence, in the minds of the ebbing and flowing army of booth browsers, you know the lay of the land. The wise booth tender will make sure he or she can politely provide the needed answer even if the directions are to the competitor's booth. On the first day, make yourself familiar with the layout of the floor by taking a walking tour with the show directory as your guide. Then keep the directory close at hand for the rest of the show. 
When people who find themselves without a directory ask the way to a specific company's booth, look up its number and respond cheerfully. Your kindness to a stranger might open up a conversation that could lead to interest in your product. It's time to talk about a whole new topic and that is all about doing business in another country. But first, let's point out first that most of Filipino firms are Americanized, thus following United States norms. While the United States has the world's largest economy and its business practices are for the most part respected, the way businesses is done in the rest of the world remains strictly local. Take this statement very seriously. Unless you accept the validity of other cultures' ways of conducting business and try to abide by them, your dealings will be less effective than they could be. Or worse, you'll fail completely. The major differences you encounter will often have less to do with negotiating tactics and decision-making than with how effectively you are able to communicate with your foreign counterparts and how well you understand the social aspects of doing business with them. Social aspects? Yes, in the United States, Efficiency comes first and foremost when doing business, but the American production line mentally doesn't always carry over in another country. Though, your training and inclination may tell you to get right down to brass tracks. On other continents, such haste may be considered inappropriate. In the Middle East, for example, your host may serve rounds and rounds of tea before touching on business matters. How the finer points of negotiating and decision-making are handled will depend on the specific organization with which you're dealing and the country and field with which you're involved. For this particulars, an excellent teacher can be a fellow Filipino who has had experience doing business at the same company in the same setting and can tell you what you expect. Let's discuss the things you need to know before you go. The slogan, Be Prepared, takes on new meaning whenever you travel to another country with the aim of doing business. As a Filipino, when you land on foreign soil, pass through customs, and step out into an unfamiliar world, always remember this. You are representing your country as much as your company. How you behave will either reinforce or counteract your host conception of the Philippines. And this, in turn, will affect the outcome of your business negotiations. It goes the same with the Americans. For example, two recent developments in particular have changed both how Americans view the rest of the world and how the rest of the world views Americans. The rise of the global economy and the events of September 11, 2001. Business is now routinely conducted on a global basis. Therefore, American business people have to be more prepared than ever to interact with people from different cultures. At the same time, because of September 11, 
the business traveler must be more aware of the security concerns that affect not only her travels but the travels of anyone working for her. The result of these changes is an even wider array of customs and courtesies to be mastered. Embarking on this respectful undertaking shows your cultural sensitivity and your willingness to learn and adopt. Travel Warnings Naturally, one of the first steps you or your company should take before venturing abroad is to find out whether there are any Filipino State Department warnings you should know about before traveling to your destination. The State Department's website give you not only warnings of political unrest but also updates on currency, entry regulations, driving conditions, and more. That done, you should prepare an itinerary for your host, your office, and your family. Customs and Culture At minimum, you should know the basic facts about the country you are visiting. But when you exhibit more than a nodding acquaintance, you impress your hosts and all others you meet with your appreciation of the nation, the culture, and the individuals themselves. Begin your mini-course on a country by skimming the surface and then digging deeper. Start your search on the internet, which offers a wide array of sites where you can find key facts and explore specific areas of a country's culture. While the internet is great for basic facts and information, travel guidebooks can provide an in-depth background on the history and culture of the country you are visiting. Once you arrive at your destination, keep abreast of local events by reading regional English language newspapers. Be warned, however, that culture is not determined solely by national boundaries. For example, the Basque country and Andalusia regions of Spain have distinctly different cultures as do Sicily and Tuscany in Italy. Nor does language determine culture. Witness the Americans and the British. Sex, politics, and religion. The old saying that you should never discuss sex, politics, or religion in polite company applies twice over in foreign countries. Sex as a topic is definitely an off-limit. A hot topic. Politics is a hot topic in much of the world usually too hot to touch. Never criticize the leaders or government of your host country, and never criticize your own. If, as is likely, you're quizzed about Philippine politics or policy, graciously admit that you're no expert in such matters. Remember, too, that a business person is more of an ambassador of his or her country than is a garden variety.